you, did you actually make your grandmother that um, charcuterie board that has marijuana leaves all over it? I did. Uh, it's going to be a sign. <laughs> <laughs> and she's going to think it's maple leaves. And if she she says what it is, then she's caught. So she's kind of in a pickle when she receives it. And then she has to put it up or she has to admit to have smoking. <laughs> maple leaves. You love it, right? Yeah. Where are you going to put it? Oh, I'll put it up for you. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It's very cute. I thought you just found that picture, but no, you actually made it. That's very nice. Yeah, yeah. So I got an early birth or early Christmas present. So. Oh, yeah. I've, I had to try it out. Yeah. <gasps> oh, you so got I a got circuit me- or a cricket? Crick, cricket, cry cut, whatever. Cricket. I've been calling it a yeah. cricket and said it's a cry cut, but everybody says cricket, but it's pretty cool. You just, really- yeah, you print stuff off on it and you can print on vinyl. Yeah, it's pretty cool. They're, they're nice yeah. machines for sure. Yeah. And now you can make all sorts of lovely things. Like a sign that says grandma's house with mar- marijuana leaves all over it. So. You know, that's just number one of the things that I made. So see, I've been like a little kid just laughing about it for hours over one little thing. So it's it's been awesome. (laughs) Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah, I put together some. We're gonna have a little, a little Christmas party. Well, it's not gonna be a party. Let's be honest. It's gonna be me, my partner, and then our. Two friends, literally. So, <laughs> I made gift bags for the friends. It's Aww. gonna be fun. Yeah. That's fun. Um, but let me tell you, I'm feeling very giving today. Hello, welcome to Freaks of a Feather. I'm Emily Wooten, and this is Mary Wana Boom. Hello, everyone. Okay. <laughs> we can start over. <laughs> You're fine. Um <laughs> no, this week. We decided that we would prepare. Um, we'll search out and find the weirdest or funniest stories that we could find that we could entertain each other with. And that would be our Christmas present to each other. Of course, we also sent each other Christmas presents, but we haven't opened them yet. But uh, no, so excited for you to see yours. Yes. Anyway, I'm very excited. Um, this week, it's my turn to go first. Ooh. I'm excited. Yeah, you have no idea what you're in for. <laughs> I combed the internet searching for stuff. I even looked through some books um, to open us up, to kind of give us mm-hmm. a little a little lubrication for this episode, a little laughter lubrication. Um, I found this story from the New York Times mm-hmm. that's from the year 1899. It is titled literally parrot was a gas fiend (laughs) i thought i would read off this very short little article about a parrot who huffed gas Um, (laughs) washington september 13th alice not 23 years old of 803 12th street came to her death yesterday through the instrumentality of her pet parrot an evil dispositioned bird who was cordially detested by everybody except his mistress, to whom he seemed to have a strong affection for. He would follow her from room to room and was never happy except in her presence. He was generally regarded as a devil and a bird of ill omen. 
His unpopularity was increased by an uncanny habit of pulling off the tips of the gas burners with his strong beak and inhaling the gas until it stupefied him. He was a gas fiend, a feathered victim of the gas habit. <laughs> While his young mistress was sleeping yesterday, the parrot took off the lava tip of in her room, which I'm guessing it's just some sort of gas siphon that's, I don't know. Anyways, he took it off. And he started on a gas debauch. <laughs> this time, there was no one near to avert the consequences of his deed. And when Miss Knott's relatives, alarmed by her long silence, broke open the door, they found her dead. Her little murderer was found half unconscious by the door. When he found himself succumbing to the gas, he was not rescued as usual by his mistress, but he realized that something was wrong and had the wit or instinct to make it for the door and shove his bill as far as he could underneath it. <laughs> he recovered, and while the coroner was in the house, the malignant little bird was caught trying to turn on the gas yet again. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, it's wonderful. But that's hilarious. Oh, I love it. I love it. I just the way they paint this bird, like <laughs> that it's like this evil piece of shit that planned her <laughs> There are a lot of racial expletives in this as well, like talking about like, oh, the beep down the street thought the bird was. Blah, 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 blah. I was like, oh, no, we don't need that. Oh, so I om oh, I oh no, that. we'll cut that out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, yeah. Sign of the times. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like the whites and the blacks hated this bird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Oh, so something we can all come together on. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... My real treat, my real present for you. I watched an entire documentary no. for you. Well, I skipped around in some parts because it was in, it was interesting. Let's just say that. <laughs> I'm going to gift you with the knowledge and the performance of certain characters from the town of Vernon, Florida. So, hmm. in the 1980s, a director and producer known as Errol Morris, originally, he set out to do a documentary called Nub City that was about the high rate of amputations and insurance payouts in this town of Vernon, Florida. But... That's very specific. Yes. <laughs> After getting threatened repeatedly for asking around about the amputations of the insurance fraud and payout, his photographer almost got ran over by a car. He decided that he already had enough footage of the townspeople, so it wasn't a waste. He would just make this documentary about the people and how insane they were. <laughs> and so... Basically, this entire documentary, you go from person to person. No one is ever introduced. You just see, you just it just pops up and it's like a person talking about some random shit. So in this mm -hmm. documentary, we meet many eccentric characters. And I will chronicle them <laughs> as follows. The first guy I'm going to call Murph because I have no idea what his actual name is, but he looks like a Murph. He's an older man, <laughs> maybe 70. 
this was filmed in 1980, came out in 1981. So Murph is most definitely dead. Um, if not, he's a champion of the human spirit, but he's in his 70s. Yeah. Murph squints pretty much constantly as if he's trying to make out something <laughs> on the horizon. He's got these little beady eyes. He's got these thick Buddy Holly glasses. He's wearing an ill-fitting tweed <laughs> sports jacket and a straw hat, and his hair is super dirty. And he talks like he had forgot to put mm. his dentures in his mouth. And so oh. in this segment, he is pacing back and forth in front of a mechanic shop. And <laughs> Murph, his opening line is this. You ever seen a man's brains? <laughs> and ever then, see a man's brains? And then nobody responds. So he says, I seen them. I picked them up. I scooped them up. And he starts mining the motion of like a broom and a dustpan. Do them up like oh, brains. God. You buy them brains? And then the person ostensibly shakes their head no. And then Murph goes on to explain how the hemispheres of the brain exist and work in his theory. So he pats his head as he explains to Errol the different sections of the brain. There's a ball right here. There's a ball right here. There's a ball right here. And a ball right here. There's connected to the spine. And the spine goes down the backbone. Now, if we have all four of these balls, brains... If all of them is functioning, I'm, I'm not fucking king. This is word for word. I wrote down what he said. This is fucking batshit. <laughs> You're not a one track mind. You're a four track mind. Murph goes on to explain how one person can type a letter out with one hand and another letter out with the other hand. And both letters can be different and written to different people. But he gets his words jumbled up. And gets frustrated, so he decides to provide his own analogy to this. I can take a pencil, and I can shit down and write cat shit with this hand and dog shit with this hand, both at the <laughs> same time, two pencils. I've done that lots of times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining him sitting down. Well, it's that time of the day. <laughs> I do this lot. He goes on to explain how someone can multitask several different movements at the same time. So he leans on the corner of this mechanic shop and he starts rubbing his foot on the ground in a circle and then moving his hand at the same time in the opposite direction. Then he pretends like he's shooting a gun with his other hand. And then he says, if you do all that, sing a song at the same time, you've used five parts of your brain. <laughs> what the fuck he says that's five things i can do with that old knot up here that's all five of them <laughs> yeah yeah our next citizen i'm going to call larson because larson is even older than murph and he sits in mm. a lawn chair wearing a fedora and a tight sweater he wears horn-rimmed glasses on his puckered elderly face he's probably in his 80s <laughs> He is smaller, meeker. He's got an aged voice. I want to express that when he tells this story, it is with the he is a glee-ridden schoolboy. Okay, <laughs> they said he was about six to five years old. I don't know about that now because that's a long time for a mule. 
but he eventually died. They rooted him up over into that pond. Just an old skeleton lying there with a hide all on him. Just tough as anything you've ever seen. And a big old hole in his throat where the buzzards and things had eaten him. <laughs> eating him every bit that they could, but they couldn't eat him all. And he, uh, I was fishing in there one day. <laughs> oh, <laughs> basically, God, as one does. <laughs> yes, as one does after somebody chucks a dead horse into a pond. You go fishing in that pond, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> I was fishing in there one day. I dropped my bait down there in the hole in the mule. So he <laughs> dropped his his bait and his and his hook into the hole, the cavern that had been eaten out of this horse's neck. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and I dropped my bait down there in that hole, that old mule laying there, you know, all puffed up, dried up on the skeleton. And there's a big warmouth perch run out of him up there, pointing to his throat. <laughs> and it bit my hook, took it in. And that old mule right that quick, you know. He got off of there, got loose, and I went to pull out the hook, and I must have hung it up on one of his ribs, and I had to break it off. But I put on another hook and dropped it down in the hole and caught a big one. <laughs> come out now. The bones had come out of the, the legs of the skin. I'm just saying there, and it was as tough as a bear. You know, he says he points it with, you know, and I'm like, I put in here in parentheses, I really don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Tough as a bone or tough as a bear. Okay. So huh. the, the horse's bony legs are sticking out of the water. Yeah. I got over. It was about this deep in the water. So he climbs into the pond. <laughs> I went down in there and I got a hold of them legs and I drug that old mule out on the hill and there was 114 warmouth in them. Warmouth perch. I could hear them fluttering because I just run out of the hill with it and the water run out of the mule and I could hear them fluttering in there. Oh God. <sighs> just 114. Fish. Just fish <laughs> flapping in a horse's dead carcass. And he's just smiling from ear to ear like it's the best story he's ever heard. Disgusting. <laughs> just absolutely disgusting. Later, Larson, same man, walks over to what looks like a rusted out refrigerator that's in his yard. And he begins pulling sheets of metal off of it. He then opens the metal contraption and pulls out a medium-sized turtle. He proceeds to tell the inter interviewer about the turtle. It's so weird. <laughs> he comes up to the camera. He's holding this turtle. I mean, he goes, now nah, this here is a gopher. He's not a turtle. <laughs> oh, my gosh. He says, he's harmless. He won't bite you. I don't know how come he to be way down in here. This is literally a sentence this man said that I had to dissect. I don't know how come him to be way down in here. Hmm. I don't know how he hmm. came to be here. Is basically. Yeah. I don't yeah. know how how come him the way down in here. <laughs> this is Florida in the 1980s. 
I'm, and I said, I'm get, I, I guess you, you put him in the fridge, sir. I think that's how he came to be here. And then he said, he doesn't like this land here. He's a high, dry, sandy land for him. And he'll dig <laughs> this. <laughs> I know it's bizarre. Can't. A dry, sandy land. <laughs> he'll dig his den as far as 20 feet deep sometimes. He then pauses, reflects on his thoughts, and is looking down at the turtle and doesn't miss a beat and says, He's good to eat too, but I don't eat him. Oh. But people do <laughs> eat him. People do eat him. And then they like zoom in on the turtle. And, he, and Larson says, He's just a fine piece of meat for the dining table. Oh my gosh. Fucking weird as hell. He then, like, halfway bends over and just drops the turtle on the ground. And the turtle starts mo- like inching its way away from him. And he says, his motor's slow paced and like gives him a little, <laughs> a little like push with his foot. It's so weird. Later, oh kid you not, goes back to the same rusted out metal box, opens it up, and this time he pulls out a possum. What the? <laughs> <laughs> so he just had a turtle and a possum? Yeah. In there yeah. together? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And he's holding this possum by the tail, and he brings it over to the camera. He says, now, this possum, I didn't catch myself. Another feller did. Uh, it was eating his chickens. Uh, he caught him and brought him down here to me. He said, I was the only one who knew what to do with a possum. And at this point, I was like, oh, God, he is going to kill this possum in front of everybody. But he didn't. Oh, God. He didn't. He then proceeded to say to talk about how I'm gonna take him to the fair and get fifteen hundred dollars for him. That's a pretty good price for a possum. Fifteen hundred dollars in nineteen eighty. <laughs> I don't know. So he goes and he's got the possum by the tail still. He's like, Yeah, I won't mess with these seasons about you. <laughs> he puts it back in the cage. Amazing's old batch. Oh my god. Bizarre. Some way down the line in the documentary, you will see if you watch it, it'll be Larson and Murph and their friend. I'm gonna call him Roy. They're all sitting on the front porch of a store because it's 1980. It's in Backwoods, Florida, and there's nothing to do. Hmm. but sit outside and regale your neighbors about the bird you once saw 14 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) So they're sitting on the front porch and Murph is like, I just remember him taking off his shoes to do it. And then Roy goes, he didn't have much brains up there, did he? And then the whole entire time, Larson's quiet. And then Murph goes, well, so this feller here, he had, uh, let's see here, he had two bullets. One, he said, he told his wife, he said, this one's for you, this one's for me, and we gonna go out right now. She, <laughs> she screamed, she ran, she grabbed one of the bullets, but he loaded the other one in the gun, and I'd be damned if he didn't put it to his forehead and then pull the trigger <laughs> with his toe. <laughs> and then cut, hard cut to next scene. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. So this documentary is called what again? Vernon, Florida. We're Mm. not done yet. Oh, good. 
the next character and one that we come back to over and over again throughout the documentary. I'll call him Simple Jim. And <laughs> Simple Jim loves to hunt turkeys. And I mean, he loves it so much that he speaks about turkey hunting the way a very supple and generous lover talks about their betrothed. <laughs> he, <laughs> he, like, whispers quietly to the camera, I'm over here. He, you got to put your ear to the ground. You can hear a gobbler off in the distance. If you look through the pines, you can see him. Sometimes they'll let out one gobble, maybe two. And... Mm, mm. <laughs> And the whole entire time, he's sitting on his front porch, and at the window at the front of his house, over it, there's two planks of wood. And nailed to the planks of wood are about, I want to say, a dozen pairs of turkey feet with turkey tails. <laughs> oh, my God. But he waxes just so romantic about this turkey shoot. And one of them, he said, now, this time, I had to use the bathroom. I ain't going to lie to you. So... I told my buddies to go on without me and go back to the truck. And I turned around and, by God, didn't I see a turkey coming for me, coming right at me, just trotting. And I just, I got to tell you, that anti-diarrheal medication, it does wonders. Just, oh, thank God. Because <laughs> I had to get that bird. I watched him. I watched him so slowly, so, uh got him (laughs) (laughs) oh now some of the less interesting people but are still bizarre that make an appearance i want to call the couple myrtle and roger and they're an old Mm -hmm. couple that were sat on their concrete patio on the stair one stair and they had their little pekingese in their lap the whole entire time and myrtle literally took 15 minutes to explain how I got time off work to drive out to the desert to see where they had dropped the atomic bomb. And there's sand out there, so much sand, so much sand you would believe, so, so much. And it grows. You want to see my jar of sand? She literally <laughs> goes into the fucking house and comes out with a jar of sand. I reckon that'll fill up two years' time. Sand just grows. Weirdest shit I've ever... I was... <laughs> just so bizarre. That's so weird. Yeah, and then hard cut to this guy named Andrew, who they also... I called him Andrew because he's the most boring person I've ever <laughs> fucking seen. He walks around town in a brown corduroy sports coat with a cane and a fedora. He's from Chicago. And he, he speaks in a soft roll. And he literally talks about fucking nothing for 20 minutes at a time. Just literally staring out the water and talking about, oh, I had a friend that we used to talk about sailors in the water and oh my god. <laughs> Just I know uh, some people like that. I know some people like that. Then we have Reverend Marlin who gave a 20 minute sermon about the word the word therefore and talking about how therefore is a conjunction. And it, the word being a conjunction means that it is permanent. 
And thus, the word of God is permanent. It's the most bizarre shit I've ever heard. Um, and um, wrong, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then we end the documentary by watching Simple Jim, the turkey lover, navigating through the swamps in a pontoon boat and counting buzzards in the trees. One, oh. two, three, four. I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Gosh, don't retire in Florida unless you're like them, I guess. I'm sure Vernon, Florida is built up now. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, but literally... The story about the dead horse fish pinata, that was that man's favorite story. And you could tell it was the best thing that ever happened to him. And I don't know whether that's That's sad. Sad (laughs) or that's just fucking hysterical. Maybe both. I don't know. I mean, I feel like if something like that happened to me, I wouldn't forget it either. But it wouldn't be the story that I tell. (laughs) It's not the highlight of your life. No, no. That that's my gift to you. If you want to watch Vern in Florida, you're welcome to. If it's fucking weird, I'm I am going to watch it, and I'm going to make my husband watch it because he doesn't know yet, but he's going to really appreciate it. I think so. <laughs> He'll be like, "What the hell did you make me watch?" The whole entire time, like each segment, you're going to be like, "What the fuck am I? What am I watching?" Because some of it is really bizarre, and then uh, the other parts of it are just really mundane. And like, there's this preacher that's talking about I bought this tr- this this uh Ford white Ford rape van, and he doesn't say that, but he's like, this, <laughs> this white Ford van, and God let me have it, and I prayed to God about getting a house, and He got me. It's just like it's it's weird. Honestly, stuff. it sounds like conversations I've had here recently with people it's not mm-hmm. florida but it's appalachia and you run into your fair share of those mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll just call them those here's a gopher it's not a turtle it's so ridiculous all right now that i've got a cricket i'm gonna make a t-shirt that says this here's a gopher not a turtle well uh speaking of vultures (laughs) oh no i've got a story for you okay Mm -hmm. now to start it off i'm gonna pay homage to kentucky i'm sure you've heard about everything that's going down in kentucky right now um they've been on a lot of people's minds and kentucky um had some major storms come through um the past week so following the recent string of deadly nocturnal tornadoes so a bunch of tornadoes came in overnight i am a fucked up person because immediately (laughs) i started laughing all i could think of is deadly nocturnal emissions (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) so these 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 tornadoes happened at night yeah, so there's a lot of tornado. We're talking like F fives. Um, Holy so on shit! December- yeah, so on December 10th, um, which is just last week, a violent long track tornado had moved across western Kentucky. So it was producing severe to catastrophic damage. Like the the notifications that people got on their phone, like catastrophic damage, seek shelter immediately. 
that would be horrifying. Totally unexpected in December and not something you would commonly see in Kentucky. Um, No, and that's terrifying because what are you going to do? Like, you're fucked. Yeah, it's not so, like you know Kansas City or Missouri where they have like tornado shelter. Well, if you're if you're wealthy, you have tornado shelters and stuff. Well, it's just yeah. if you actually have a need for it. Most people don't. I mean, unless they had like an older house that had a bomb shelter or something, you don't yeah. have much like that. But you, um, you would yeah, need a basement for sure to to survive this. Maybe you might have survived with a basement. So. This tornado started ripping through town, um, including Mayfield, Benton, Dawson Springs, and Bremen, Kentucky. So the storm crossed 11 counties of the Jackson Purchase and Western Coalfield regions during its lifespan and was exceptionally long tracked. So this moved approximately 163 fucking miles on the ground. Wow. Yeah. So, and at times it was like wrapped in rain and heavy thunderstorms as well. So it was apparently the deadliest and longest track tornado and an outbreak that produced numerous strong tornadoes in several states. So more than 80 fatalities have been confirmed and they're still counting. Like there's people that still aren't accounted for. Yeah. So I think now it's like a hundred plus people that died in it because it it just hit overnight and you know some people were at work they couldn't do much about it there was a candle factory that collapsed eight people died there they were trapped under steel beams all that mess but yeah you get online and you start looking like i i looked on tiktok and i was like some of these first account videos they're horrifying yeah tornadoes are like one of my biggest fears but um, <laughs> even just last night, there's been some severe weather. So even last night in the Midwest, there was like in Colorado, got like 100 mile per hour winds. Tornadoes again ripped through uh, the Midwest and made their way up towards like Minnesota. They left wildfires in their wake out in the Midwest. And wow. yeah, like people, I guess, went through that last night. But it's just totally unexpected for December. Mm, yeah. So. Mm. Although tornadoes aren't uh, common in December for Kentucky, another rarity would be something called a meat shower, which, <laughs> which apparently happened in Kentucky in 1876. So this was called the Great Kentucky Meat Shower. And this is the story I picked out for you. <laughs> I think I've seen that documentary once or twice. Oh, have you? Oh, Oh, gosh. No tornado, but on March 3rd of 1876, large hunks of flesh fell from the sky over Olympia Springs in Bath County, Kentucky. And according to a New York Times article published the following week, the phenomenon occurred right nearby the house of one Alan Crouch, whose wife was outside making soap when it all happened. I could just imagine it. What the hell? What the? What? Mm. Wagyu? Mmm. 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 Wagyu. No, that's squirrel. That's squirrel. Oh, that's squirrel. Mm. Oh, just wait until you find out what it might be. Somebody had said the meat, which looked like beef, fell all around her. The sky was perfectly clear at the time, and she said it felt like. Large snowflakes. 
large meaty snowflakes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I yeah, big glops of meat hitting you on the face. Yeah, it feels feels just like a snowflake. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I call it when I drop my testicles on her chin. I call it dropping the snowflake. <laughs> Imagine, ooh, dinner. <laughs> I've seen that oh, documentary gosh. as well. <laughs> like we said at the time, Mrs. Crouch, a farmer's wife, was making soap on her porch when she reported seeing the meat pieces fall from the sky. Now, she said she was about 40 steps from her house when the meat started to slap the ground. (laughs) (laughs) The meat looked grisly. According to Mrs. Crouch, uh, Mrs. Crouch and her husband believed that this event signified a sign from God, of course. And a similar event was later reported in Europe. Uh, the phenomenon itself was reported by uh, Scientific American, the New York Times, and several other publications during that time. So they were like, this is a sign. What is God huh. trying to tell us with it's this? Rain. It's raining manna from heaven. Oh, sweet, delicious, stinky, bloody manna from heaven. You know that hymn. <laughs> No. <laughs> oh gosh. Mm-hmm. So they went on to describe how big these meat pieces were. You know, they were very curious that you could chew it up and swallow it, right? So the pieces were around two by two inches. And they said at least one was about four by four inches. So pretty good mm. little chunks of meat just little, slapping little the ground. Cube steak, cube steak, you know? Mm. Yeah. Well, they they start to wonder, okay, what kind of meat is this? So at first, it appeared to be beef. But according to the first report in the Scientific American, two gentlemen who tasted it and judged it. Oh, God. They decided it was probably lamb or deer. Yeah, I know. They put the shit in their their mouths. I'm like, (laughs) I would not be putting sky meat into my mouth. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah. How do you... Okay, we gotta mm. um, we gotta make sure it's all from the same source. Okay, you're gonna grab a chunk from Mrs. Crouch's yard. I'm gonna grab a chunk from the pastor's yard. Okay, now we gotta eat it raw. Mm. 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 Grizzly. Mm. Ooh. Ooh. Jed, what do you think it is? This one. This one has a has a little arm. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> oh, does it? It's it's fetus. Oh, oh God. <laughs> They're like, okay, it's a lamb or deer. But then this guy named B.F. Ellington, which is funny, um, a local hunter identified it as bear meat. Beef Ellington. Beef B. B.F. <laughs> Ellington is his name. <laughs> Beef Wellington found the bear meat. Mm. Mm, I taste him. Mm. Well, somebody did blow up the home for unwed mothers. I believe this here is. Baby meat. Mmm, delicious. Leopold Brandes identified the substance as Nostoc, which was a type of cyanobacteria. Now, Brandes gave the meat sample to the Newark Scientific Association for a further analysis, leading mm. to a letter from Dr. Alan McLean Hamilton appearing in the medical record and stating that the meat had been identified as lung tissue from either a horse or a human infant. 
Uh, yeah, you see my my hair brain. Don't put it in your mouth. Don't opinion. put it in your mouth. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone got a t-shirt cannon. Went back in time, took a t-shirt cannon, and put some baby viscera inside of it, and stood on top of a hill. <laughs> went to town. <laughs> oh gosh, they said, "quote unquote." The structure of the organ in these two cases being almost identical. So that between um, lung tissue from a horse or human infant tissue, I guess is very similar. Um, I've never thought about comparing, you know, horse lung to a human infant, but Hey, so the composition of this, somebody's done it. Apparently (laughs) that way back in 1876, I remember after after a bottle and a half of hooch, I think I finally got an idea that we can do for this our scientific community of America. <laughs> <laughs> bring me the infant and bring me the pony. Oh my gosh! So they they looked at stuff. They did some further further analysis, and with the two samples of the meat being identified as lung tissue. Three as muscle and two as cartilage. So, yeah, don't don't pick up random meat that falls out of the sky. No sky meat. You should never so, put something in your mouth that comes from an from just rains down from an unknown source. Yeah, that would be bird shit on most occasions. You know, mm. Randy's Nostoc theory relied on the fact that Nostoc expands into a clear jelly-like mass when it when rain falls on it so it'll expand kind of like chia seeds if you will and often giving the sense that it was falling with the rain so charles fort noted that in his book the book of the damned that there had been no rain that day so back to the Mm. drawing board now the man with the best explanation for the shower of quivering flesh is uh, that of Dr. L.D. Kastenbein, who wrote in a ni- 1876 edition of the Louisville Medical News that it was quite literally a coordinated bout of projectile vulture vomit. You know, if enough of them get food poisoning, I can see that. Well, it's interesting. So, so Kastenbein had obtained a sample. On his own, right? Mid-flight, yeah. just throwing up mid-flight. God, that would be difficult, don't you think? <laughs> you, Yeah, you would think. So he got a sample, set it on fire, and observed that it smelt distinctly of rancid mutton. Okay. He set it on fire and said, well, that smells like mutton to me. Mm. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> Rancid, just like and mama then he said. <laughs> He said the only plausible theory explanatory of this anonymous shower appears to me to be that suggested by the old Ohio farmer, the disengorgement of some vultures that were sailing over the spot from their immense height. The particles were scattered by the prevailing wind over the ground, he wrote. The variety of tissue discovered muscular, connective, fatty, structureless etc can be explained only by this theory so pretty much what he's saying is that vultures flew over the area and vomited so there's is a couple (laughs) species of vultures found in kentucky there's a black vulture and the turkey vulture yeah so both are actually known to projectile vomit their stomach contents as a way of either defense as a defense mechanism or to make themselves light enough for flight so i don't know maybe 
but not mid-flight. Yeah. Holes. I don't know. There's holes in this. <laughs> they they <laughs> think they just all flew by and, and vomited, and people are just the <laughs> thought of people like chewing on vulture vomit. <laughs> just <laughs> <laughs> it's like a snowflake. <laughs> Open your mouth, Velma. Catch it on your tongue. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> Happy holidays. <Yummy. laughs> oh gosh, um, but gross. Yeah. That's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. If you want to learn more about it, there's a Wikipedia article. There's also um an article on Scientific American website. Um, and the article is written by Beck Crew. So I just can't imagine a vulture flying by and just vomiting mid-flight. I, I've never heard of that. That gives me a new fear. Um, and maybe gives an explanation of why the turkey lever was counting vultures up in the tree like one, two, three. Wait, wait. Four. <laughs> he, he literally, they filmed him and he got to like 30 something. And I was like, God damn. Um, Jeez. <laughs> Life in the 1980s in rural Florida. Woof. Woof. Um, (laughs) (laughs) People just literally sitting around on tires, looking up at staring into the sun, waiting to die. (laughs) Yeah. I remember when I got to go out of the house that one time to the place where there was all the sand. Lots of sand. (laughs) (laughs) that's a saying oh my god but yeah well thank you mary i enjoyed the 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 vulture talk um nasty nasty i i enjoyed my my story that made me feel like i was home even while i'm home oh yeah florida circling back around to the beginning with the parrot i found out that parrots can have lice huh gross but yeah Something miraculous did come for this from this because I immediately like got it stuck in my head, replacing the words almost paradise with I've got parrot lice. (laughs) 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 My mind just does that with (laughs) words that rhyme. I've got parrot lice. You can see it between my thighs. Uh, that's amazing (laughs) i'm definitely Um, gonna be watching that documentary wow this is the week right this is the week christmas is this weekend yeah that's that's crazy i'm glad i got my big uh we call it our big ho-ho gift so i got that but i can actually make gifts for other people with it now but nice anyway I hope everybody has a Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, whatever you celebrate. Kwanzaa, I don't care. I just hope it's good. Festivus, I don't, you know, have a good one. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. I've got paradise. I'm looking into heaven's eyes.